Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast with Dane Kennedy. I feel like I'm talking to myself over here. Stel Panayides. You, is your watch the Strava? <laughs> and Steve O'Callaghan. Can I make some valid points here? <laughs> right, this is what happened. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in again to episode eight of the Lay of the Land. It's been a great uh, past seven weeks, and if you've been listening every week, you'll notice some new additions to the show, including the, the intro, which uh, one of the team members, Steve, has put through. But uh, maybe let's kick off with you, Dane. How are you going, mate? Yeah, going, going really well. Thanks, Stel. And uh, yeah, it's been great this week because uh, Steve has got all our podcasts up onto the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, um, Google Podcasts. So it's great. It's, uh, it's all happening at the Lay of the Land studio. So I look forward to seeing where this venture goes. Yeah, Steve, definitely. how are things with you over, over in your neck of the woods? Yeah, pretty chilly at the moment. Uh, I'm, buying a, I'm buying a wood heater this week um, to keep the heat in in the house. Steve, can I just, um, I know we had some difficulty putting a temperature to mild. What, what's <laughs> chilly look like? Chilly is like. probably like. 13, 13 degrees. Anything below that, you're getting cold. But uh, chilly is definitely about 13 degrees, especially during the day. But um, right. it's getting quite cold. But I know a place that it isn't getting cold. It's getting warmer, and that's over in Los Angeles. We've got Andy Loke, our good friend here. How you going, Andy? Smoking. Gentlemen, gentlemen, thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, first time, uh, first time call, a long time listener. Uh, I've always wanted to say that. But uh, things are going really well out here. It's uh, a lovely sunny 30 degrees out here in Los Angeles. Beautiful. Has the weather been improving pretty quickly? It's, uh, yeah, it's been pretty consistent the last month, uh, probably around about mid-20s to 30s, starting to heat up a bit now. That's awesome. Can I just interrupt? Don't tell me this podcast is going to, we're going to be talking about the weather. Because, uh, <laughs> I'm know. tuning out if that's the case. <laughs> it's very low-level Andy, conversation. What is, Andy, what has been the, the highlight of your time in LA, maybe, maybe, maybe over the last three months? Uh, just, you know, getting out and about and experiencing life in America. I mean, it's so different everywhere you go in Los Angeles. Um, you know, you've got people think of Los Angeles, they think of the Hollywood Boulevard, uh, the, the Walk of Fame. But uh, Los Angeles is so much more than that. I mean, you've got the beaches, yes, you have the city, you've got downtown LA, but then you've got the far out areas such as San Bernardino, um, which is kind of like redneck country out that way. Uh, it's quite interesting once you hear that, Pat. When I think of LA, Andy, I can't help but think of the Lakers. Was there a reason, I know you're a big basketball head yourself, was there a reason that you headed out to LA in particular rather than anywhere else over the country? Yeah, so we had a couple of options. Um, and I'll let you know those options. The first option that offered us uh, a contract out here was in St. Louis, Missouri, which if you know anything about St. Louis, it's very cold. The second option was in Oxford and London, uh, which is cold and dreary. And lastly, Los Angeles offered us um, some work out this way. So, um, yeah, we decided to head out this way because, number one, the sunshine is always out. And number two, I'm a big Lakers fan, as you know. Yeah. And I was over there in September. Was it September? Or maybe, no, early October. And I stayed with you, Andy. It was an amazing stay at your place. Have you been using much of the, the pool at your, at your place? I got one swim in, Steve. One, um, one solo swim before they locked the gate. 
and banned, they banned everyone from heading into the pool because of the coronavirus. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if you heard so, about it, Steve. Is it, what's this coronavirus you talk about? No, but, oh, because I guess it's a public pool. Is it a, no, it's not a public pool, but it's like a, I guess, you, yeah, you can't use the pool. That's, I didn't think about that. See, the thing is with LA is that you can pretty much get sued for anything out here. Uh, you go driving down the highway and you'll see these massive billboards for lawyers. Uh, I think that's the case with the, the reason why they shut down the pools is that they don't want a lawsuit to happen in case you get sick or you might contract the virus. One thing I've also noticed, um, well, when we were over in the States, is you mentioned the billboards with the, uh, the lawyers on them. And I was thinking that what brought to mind was uh, the commercials for um drugs and medication in the states have you noticed that when watching the tv yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> um uh, <laughs> when they bring up those ads uh, you see the little caption in the right hand corner which says um not an actual client this is an actor um yeah them. so how have you been keeping busy with with work andy i know Back in Australia, you were a teacher. You were one of Victoria's best teachers, and it's been a big loss to have you out of the system. What are you What are you providing over there in LA? Well, thanks for talking me up, still. But uh, <laughs> I, I have been, I had been before the coronavirus happened, enjoying uh, working as a substitute teacher at a number of different schools, uh, mostly private schools um, in around Pasadena area and down in Hollywood. Uh, most recently, I, uh, I'm helping out an Australian pack some tampons at her house for her small business, which is uh, yeah, it's good fun. Uh, nice. Dane, you said you had um, a bit of a job prospect. You had an interview last week. Can we get, is there any updates on that area? Got the job, mate. Got the awesome. job. So it's a casual, casual position. Uh, thank you. I'll, Thanks, I'll Steve. I some uh, claps there because I don't know. If <laughs> yeah. yeah. On, the, on the audio. The crowd went wild. <laughs> uh, no, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty happy about that. So I uh, haven't spoken to them yet. Just received an email yesterday. So look forward to hearing um, more about that and see where it goes. That's gross. I was um, listening back to the episode. And so it's in the mental health space. And um, so... How will you hit the ground running? Will it be a virtual start to the job or? Yeah, just before I touch on that, I'm glad you listened to the episode because you generally don't listen during the episode. <laughs> so. Yes, right. Um, okay, that's all right. Uh, yeah, no, I'll pretty much get in there. They've found a client already that they think I'd be a good match for. So I'll, I'll jump in there and, and work with the client and then see, see where it goes. Um, just touching back with you, Andy, uh, you're talking about that you're doing some substitute teaching over there in, in Pasadena. Is there any noticeable differences between teaching in Australia and, and teaching in the States? Oh, massive, massive. Number one is that they don't really teach out here in the States. <laughs> um, but in, in all honesty, um, okay, for example, the school I work at in Pasadena, the, the school fee starts at... 26,000 US dollars per year. And it goes up from there as you grow older and as you go through each year. But the amount of teaching that happens compared to in Australia is so minimal. Um, it is less stressful, I must admit. A lot of the, the schoolwork comes from exercise books and textbooks. 
Yeah, so, so do you, because in Australia, I know there's a big trend towards a lot of personalised learning, a lot of, there's no one-size-fits-all approach in that you're tailoring the education to all different types of students in one classroom, and that can be pretty stressful on the teacher, particularly if there's a lot of needs. Do you feel like, it sounds like if there's a lot of textbooks and stuff like that, is it more streamlined? Very much so. More streamlined, more manageable. The classroom sizes are a lot smaller, really? but that could be that could be because I'm working to private schools as well. Yeah. Uh, heaps more uh, electives, like PEs run at least three or four times a week for each class. So is art, music, Spanish. So there's a lot of lot of extra time for teachers to be able to plan and know what they're going to be teaching. I can imagine with those uh, school fees, you'd probably want a good credit history. Can you can you fill us in a bit about? the credit history, because that's something that is foreign to us over here in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've been trying to buy, trying to lease a car. And the reason why I want to lease a car is because I'm trying to build on my credit history. Now, credit history is a real funny thing. It's kind of like a game over here in the States. (laughs) So if you ever want to go to the bank and get a loan out or get a car loan or be able to sign up for a mortgage, you got to have good credit history. And there are different levels of credit. To be able to get good credit history, you've got to be in debt and be able to pay off that debt, but not fully pay off that debt. But leave enough there so the bank can charge you interest every month. And then over a period of time, you do that for long enough, the bank will see you as someone who is someone who they could profit off and they're willing to lend you a loan. And that's what credit is. So for you heading over there for the first time to live there, have you felt it's been a bit of a disadvantage that you haven't had a debt in the past that you've paid off, that the bank has been able to see that you can demonstrate that ability to do it, and then now you're kind of, it's a bit more difficult to find a loan. Is that right? I've had debts, debts in uh, back in Australia. I've got a mortgage back in Australia. I've always paid it on time. I've always paid my credit card off. But they don't take into account your Australian credit history. It's when you get here, you've got to start developing American credit history, which is something that if I had known earlier, I would have signed up with an international bank, not the Commonwealth Bank, a bank like Citibank or um, American Express, that could kind of then transfer over that credit history into the States. I was very lucky to be able to find an apartment first off the bat because for a lot of people, you need to have good credit history to secure that apartment in the United States. No, that's, it sounds like it's something that's pretty different back home here in Australia. What have you found have been some more, I know you love it back here in Melbourne, and, um, but what have been some more positive things that you've seen in LA in, and by that I mean like just the way of life, maybe their approach to things, maybe the way they problem solve or just as a society. Have there been things that have stood out in LA life that you've been like, oh, which we did a bit more of that back home? I think uh, people in LA, uh, they're a lot more nicer and outgoing, I find. Uh, you know, I think Could with be. Aussies, with Aussies, they tell you things to your face and they're really upfront. With you. And you notice the Aussies here as well. They're, they're kind of similar to the ones back at home when you run across them. And it's nice to speak to them once in a while. Actually, I'm part of this Facebook group called Aussies in LA. And um, there's a lot of good discussions happening during uh, the coronavirus. And one of the discussions today was things not to do during the lockdown. 
<laughs> and on top of that list was to start a podcast with your friend. But that was pretty good. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Now, Andy, you're a big basketball fan. We just mentioned before that you, you are a big Lakers fan. You are living in the hometown of the LA Lakers. Something that we've been keeping up to date with in this podcast is the last dance the Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls documentary. Have you been keeping up to date with that? A hundred percent. I was Is that a rhetorical uh, question. Dave? I was living from Monday nights. <laughs> of course, he's been keeping yeah, I've up. Seen, I've probably seen it about five times. <laughs> seen it about five times already. Um, I was thinking maybe what's a good idea is if, because we're in the podcast, we're up to episode nine and 10, obviously, and finale. Perhaps if we quickly chat about nine and 10 and then the season as a whole. Um, I know in episode nine was quite, uh, quite about Steve Kerr and his role in the Bulls championships. Um, and also the scene about um, Michael Jordan getting his pizza pizza delivered and uh not (laughs) and being sick the next day did did his campered with like in utah like could have been opposition supporters were were they alluding to the fact that it was tampered with or was it just dodgy you know like was it just a dodgy pizza i I couldn't it looked like something out of kitchen nightmares to be honest (laughs) did they show the pizza no, they didn't show it, but I'm saying like it could have been like the kitchen. Was, was, the, was it just the kitchen ah, right. nightmares or was yeah. it just... So in the doco, MJ said that there were about five people that rocked up to deliver the pizza. Yeah. And they actually got the... Um, outside of the documentary, the pizza delivery guy actually spoke and he said it wasn't five people. It was actually him and someone else. There was two of them. And at that time, he was trying to become a manager of the pizza joint. So he followed all the rules to the T on how to make a pizza. And he said there was no way he had contaminated that pizza. I think the, the doco, one thing that it does a really good job of is bringing back to the surface some of the controversies and conspiracy theories that surrounded Jordan throughout his career, whether it was something as like, like the pizza and, and they're saying that maybe that was food poisoning rather than a flu game. Also, even something as serious as his dad's death and saying that that could have been something linked back to Jordan's gambling. I think it does a good job. Like, Jordan's story is just larger than life. And I think they do a good job of bringing everything back to the surface, particularly for our generation who were probably a bit younger while it was all, all really happening. Yeah. Mm. And, and Steve, you made a good point in earlier podcasts that they'd done, you know, because it hadn't been, this footage hadn't been seen for so long. It kind of now everyone's getting to see it, and it's it's bringing that whole era back to life. Yeah, pretty amazing. amazing how all that footage really came from twenty years ago and over, and it was only until now that they've finally released it in mm-hmm. this documentary series. That that yeah. blows my mind because I, I think I feel like if that happens now, that footage is released within hours or you know days of something happening. So it, they've mm-hmm. done an amazing job to keep that um, under wraps. Now in the Episode nine, uh, it was the uh, playoff games between the Bulls and Utah Jazz in 97. And there was the whole thing about Carl Malone. Um, and I was watching a video yesterday. Uh, Scotty Pippen was talking and they were talking about a trash talk in the NBA. And uh, Scotty said that he had the best trash talk in NBA history. And it was in that 1997 playoff games. And they were playing Utah in Utah. And Carl Malone apparently was having a bit of a shocker 
uh, he'd missed some free throws and, and Scotty Pippen went up to him and he goes, the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> and he claims that that's the, the best piece of trash talk in NBA history. Um, are either of any of you boys um, known for your trash talking out on the hoodie field basketball court? I once, we were playing Bundura, Dane. Remember Bundura? They were oh, quite, the yeah. rough, quite, quite the rough team. And, um, they, were the, they were the Detroit Pistons. They were. The <laughs> we came out at quarter time and we were going to leave the field because there was just, they were just trying to start fights with us. And then I just walked up to this guy who was probably Stell's size and he's Stell's, Stell's quite a large guy if you can't, uh, can't see. Uh, <laughs> and I've literally walked up to him and I said, TAB sports bet. I bet you you start a fight the first first start uh, as soon as the thing starts. And he didn't. He wasn't going to pick on me because I was about five foot two. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I never never much never much of a of a of a starter. But that was one time I do remember doing it. Did that pay guys. out? Was it? Did he end up doing it? <laughs> he didn't do it. He. Uh, I think he went back into his shell. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, he told him. That's it. Speaking speaking about five foot two um, people. I'm quite short as well, Steve, <laughs> as you know. And uh, especially especially when it comes to basketball, it's, it's a game for giants, really, when you think yeah. about basketball. And I think Stel would remember this game where there was a, another tall fella, young oh, fella, yes. who was quite quite full of himself. And uh, he kept doing this thing where he would kind of hold the basketball over my head. Oh. <laughs> and it was quite tall where I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite reach the ball. And he kept doing it. And I, I told him, you know, you better stop. I gave him a bit of a warning. I said, do that one more time. <laughs> that's not going to go well for you. And he did. That's, that's just for the listeners. That's the G-rated version of what Andy said. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, I reckon I, I laid him with a, with a fantastic right underhook, right in his gut. <laughs> and yeah, uh, the next play, he, was, he, he, wasn't, he didn't make the, make the next play. He was gasping for air on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> side he note. didn't do it again. Yeah. Didn't do we it again. We, yeah. we don't condone violence at all on this podcast, just a <laughs> side note. I, um, but you know what we do condone? We condone sticking up here. So yes, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> sticking up for the little guy. That's exactly right. Um, speaking of fights, episode 10 of Last Dance, Dennis Rodman leaves the playoff games, goes to WrestleMania, hits a person over the head, with, uh, over the back with a chair, and the then steel just chair. The steel chair, and then just comes back. Uh, incredible! Like what? What's what? What was going on in the nineties with NBA? Or is that just Rodman? In a, in an era where load management is the buzzword and the thing to do these days, Dennis Rodman started it all with load management. They yeah. just understood that he's someone that needs to be able to go out, let some steam off, do whatever Dennis needs to do. And then when he comes back, he gives it his hundred he gives it his all, 110%. Yeah, if anything, his was a mental mental load management for him. He just couldn't take in too much and he needed to, like you said, let off that steam. In one of the other episodes, the following games after that, they were saying that I think it was that really intense game where Michael Jordan was, uh, I don't know if it was when he was sick or I can't remember which one, but they were saying they, he played 34 of the 36 minutes up to three-quarter time and 45 minutes on Friday night. How many, how many minutes, just as an amateur with basketball, how many minutes would an average player play regularly in a, in a game? Like, does it vary depending on the the quality of the player or do they usually all play about, you know, 30 minutes or how does it sort of work for you guys that are more into basketball than me? The, I've actually done the stats, Steve, because I preempted that you're going to ask this question. The <laughs> average amount of minutes that a basketball 
or player that nah, I haven't. Andy, well, what do you reckon? Uh, who you are. I mean, if you're a starting five player, an important player in the team, you're probably seeing somewhere in the range of 28 to 32 a game. Yeah, but if you're a bench player coming off the bench, you're looking at something below 20 to 18 minutes a game. Okay. Because for some of LeBron's teams, I know when he's been the predominant player, which is most of his teams, some of his minutes, he might only have one or two minutes of rest for the entire game. So um, yeah. there's not much sharing the load throughout the team. Uh, I was just going to say on, on the, Le- the LeBron James thing, there's, you know, the heated debates out there, especially with the last dance coming to the fore, about who is the GOAT, you know, the greatest of all time basketball player. And we know that, Andy, this is a, this is a topic that you love to um, discuss. What are, you, what are your views on the greatest of all time or just, you know, who, who would be your top three players? of all time because it is hard to distinguish between different eras. Firstly, Can you give Dane, us a bit of insight? I just say I just think as a as a super fan we need to appreciate these great players that are currently playing and still playing and have played the game. Uh, they're not around forever. So you know in the time that we do are, are able to watch them play, we need to appreciate them. But in saying that get off the fence Andy, give us the real the answer of all the time. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Michael Jordan is number one. Number one, the most of most, he's the GOAT. Um, number two, and it, it can be debated who number two is, but my number two is the man that was closest to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. And you look at Kobe as a player, a very similar player to Michael Jordan, just as athletic, offensively um, in tune, defensively. You know, one of the greatest defensive guards that played the game. Mm. And if you look at his competitiveness, it's pretty much identical to a player like Michael Jordan. Yeah, Kobe. And it's hard to compare between types of players as well, isn't it, and positions? Because Kobe and, and, and Jordan were, were so similar. And LeBron is a different style of player. And then so was like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. It's hard to compare and say who's greater. Yeah when they're playing different roles. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, Scotty Pippen made a, a good comment in this video that I watched um, about the good thing about Michael Jordan is he never came out once and said he was the greatest because he appreciated everyone that had come before him. Um, whereas I know LeBron James has made the comment that he is the GOAT. And if you really are the greatest of all time... You don't have to say you it. Don't need, you don't need to say it. It's, your, it's yeah. the people around you, the people that are watching you your peers that are playing against you that need to make that comment. Yeah. I thought something that was interesting, particularly the comparison between Kobe and Michael Jordan is, aside from being really similar players on the court, they both had a pretty similar, well, from the outside looking in, they seem to have a pretty similar mentality towards the game, like with Kobe's nickname being Black Mamba, you know, backs against the wall. It's really about just getting the win, ultra competitor and I, I just it's interesting sort of the the paradigm I suppose of you get these two really individual type players in a team based sport and maybe the effect that that can have on the other four players on the court or the other however many players are in the locker room um, and sometimes the disconnect that it can cause between you know having one star player um, on a on a team sport, what do you guys think about that? I think um, 
what sets Michael and Kobe apart from other players is that the alpha dog in them don't really give a shit about anyone else. And it was summed up beautifully, I think it was episode 10, when someone was saying that Michael's greatest strength wasn't his athletic ability. His greatest strength was his ability to be in the moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until I thought it was fascinating, it wasn't until right at the end of Phil Jackson's coaching career and Michael Jordan's um, Bulls career that the actual final season of The Last Dance when Phil Jackson gets them all together in the gym and uh, Jordan reads out, reads out a poem about how he felt about his teammates. And that was right at the end of the journey. And his teammates were talking about it's one of the first times they've actually ever seen Jordan show some sort of empathetic, um, you know, feelings towards his teammates. Appreciation. And, and then they burn it. Yeah. And I, I just thought, wow, you know, like, I feel like maybe today's generation of athlete, particularly um, LeBron James for 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 his highs and lows, he's very much, you know, politically correct in the space of always acknowledging teammates, always acknowledging issues in the world. Whereas Jordan was, he was a different breed, you know, he was, um, and even Kobe in some ways, they were just about the win for their whole career. The, the difference is though, Stel, is that back then Jordan didn't need to be like that because there wasn't the social media. They, they weren't in the spotlight all the time like they are nowadays. Yeah. So it's yeah the the, um, the environment has changed but yeah you, yeah that's that is true what you're saying that's interesting because I remember during the last few seasons of Kobe's career he started to realize that you know things are changing and players aren't what they were used to be so he started to become more of a mentor to the younger players instead of that kind of aggressive alpha male that was needed to to win these championships because the Lakers weren't in the championship window at that stage. In his career, yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see how these careers play out in different eras, especially oh. the LeBron James era, where there's a lot more panhandling, the social media aspect of it all. Yeah, it's a different world. Overall, guys, the the documentary. What were your thoughts now that it's finished? Uh, I loved it. Um, I thought it was one of the best documentaries I've seen. Definitely, definitely the best sports one. I reckon um, I'm with you, Steve, no doubt. I could watch another 10 episodes of this, I reckon. I could, to be honest, yeah. I could listen, I could just sit and watch Michael Jordan reacting to things, mm-hmm. I think, <laughs> just for 45 to minutes to an hour because because of the body of work that he's done, I think his his opinion and his his the things he says hold a lot of weight. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be... Uh, people that come out and criticise elements of the documentary. But I think all in all, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Steve. Probably one of the best ones that, that I've seen, for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I loved it. I loved tuning in every Monday night for, for my two episodes. Um, it'd be great if it went for longer, but if it went for longer, it, it wouldn't have the same impact. Um, but the one thing which you've alluded to a few times, Steve, the main thing to come out of this documentary is... Bring back those massive oversized jackets with the shoulder pads. Um, they'll be selling them in Uniqlo and H&M soon enough. Can't wait. Um, although generally any jacket on, on us usually looks like that anyway, straight off the rack. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so much tailoring needs to yeah, be done. Yeah, but now overall great, 
But um, Andy, maybe you can give us the final closing comments on The Last Dance. I think it set the bar for sports documentaries going forward now. If, if the next sports doco isn't up to The Last Dance standard, I don't want to see it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, going to be really, it's going to be really hard to compete with because, I mean, the, 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 the footage they had for years and years, it's going to be very hard to compete with. And how about the time that they... Sorry, Andy, I'll get back to you. But the timing of releasing the doco, right in the, um, you know, the middle of COVID where consumption of media and Netflix is probably at a high. I don't know what the numbers are, but, um, yeah, what did you reckon, Andy? Yeah, no, great time. I think they were, they were meant to release this later on in the year, but oh. because of the whole COVID situation, um, some of the NBA superstars were calling for it to be released early, like LeBron James, and they finally did it, and everyone's going nuts for it, which is you know great timing. But uh, I wanted to go back to about the shoulder pads and the fashion back then in the 90s. And you have a look at MJ throughout the documentary, and he was quite stylish, even to today's standard. If someone was to wear what MJ was wearing now, mm. you think, geez, that guy looks cool. If you look at MJ right now, yeah, if you look at MJ right now at his age and how he dresses, that is not a stylish guy. <laughs> he has zero style. <laughs> but yeah, it works now. He's got... Six rings on his fingers to compliment whatever style he's got. He can wear whatever he wants. <laughs> it also helps if you're six foot six. You know, you can probably look good in anything. Yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. Now, we've got to get to Dane's advertising challenge of the week. We gave Dane two options this week, which, what were they still? Was it ladder? And... No. What were the two options, no, it Dane? Can you it, was, it was a spoon... And it was a chair. <laughs> a ladder. Jeez, Stel, you've lost the plot. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So, so uh, maybe don't tell us which one you chose. Let's just uh, get into yours so we can do a bit of analysis afterwards. All right. Here we go. Are you tired of standing? Keep falling asleep if you lie down for too long? Are those long days standing at the office computer taking their toll on your knees? Well, you're in luck. We bring to you, direct from the Swedish furniture giant IKEA, the long-awaited, much-anticipated, and highly-rated chair. Chair? <laughs> I hear you ask. What's a chair? Well, a chair is a very functional item of furniture, providing an intermediate resting position between standing and laying, a position we dub sitting. The chair offers a place of comfort for your overworked, fatigued, and taken-for-granted leg muscles. Get one for your office. Get one for your dining room table and make sure it's one with the IKEA label. Stop overworking your muscles. They weren't designed for such strenuous tasks as standing. Find a chair in store and online today. Terms and conditions apply. No, not all chairs are made equal. Sitting may posture, had poor posture and result in many musculoskeletal problems and issues. Very good. Yes. <laughs> Very good, Danos. Few, uh, Very good. A few slip-ups there, but I'm sure, Steve, with your editing magic, you can make that sound a bit more uh, <laughs> yeah, no, professional. It was, it was awesome. Uh, I loved the, 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 the bit of the dining room table. So the, do they just have dining room tables just, just sitting there now at the moment without chairs? So everyone's just got a dining room table without chairs around. You, just stand, you have to stand at the chair. <laughs> yeah, you so have to stand. Every... <laughs> That's right. Uh, I think the... Um, a lot of stadiums might be looking to purchase uh, a lot of those <laughs> items as well. I'm sick yeah, of standing well. at the concert. <laughs> Do you sit at concerts, Steve? Um, if it's an old band, 
Like at the Eagles, I sat down. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Dane, so how great. much could you pick up one of these chairs for? Oh, they range. You know, you can get your dining table, standard dining table, probably retails around $49.95. Uh, your office chair, you know, for your desk can probably range up to $179.95 for a real posture, um, supporting range. ergonomically <laughs> friendly chair. Um, well, nice. Yeah. Well, so thanks so much. Very expensive range. <laughs> thanks so much. Andy for being here for this episode. It's been great chatting about Last Dance and LA life and everything comes with it. Definitely. Anytime, boys. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. We'll get you on again sometime soon. Um, yeah, but look, enjoy your weekend, boys, and look forward to seeing you on episode nine. Thanks, guys. See ya.